Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. All right. Good morning, everyone. Nice to have you here. And we are moving on in Leviticus, moving on into March. Interesting. I somehow feel like February was two weeks instead of four. Flew right by me. Already looking into the springtime. We are uh, very happy that uh, for sure the weather is, is staying nice right now. Because once we head down into June and July, we're, we're, um, we are nice and humid and hot. So far, haven't needed the air conditioner or anything. It's just been perfect. Hopefully it is with you guys not getting too cold up where you are, warming up if need be where you are. But we're going to keep moving on into Leviticus and Mark today. So please find your place and um, let's look into God's word. Father God, thank you for this morning, and we do ask for your, your guidance and your leading us into understanding all these truths, God, that we're going to look into. Just give us the understanding as we always seek to grow deeper in our walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Leviticus 15, cleansing unhealthiness. The Lord also spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, speak to the sons of Israel. And say to them, when any man has a discharge from his body, his discharge is unclean. This moreover shall be his uncleanness in his discharge. It is his uncleanness, whether his body allows its discharge to flow or whether his body obstructs its discharge. Every bed on which the person with the discharge lies becomes unclean and everything on it on which he sits becomes unclean. Anyone moreover who touches his bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Whoever sits on the thing on which the man with the discharge has been sitting shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Whoever touches the person with the discharge shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Or if the man with the discharge spits on one who is clean, he too shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Every saddle, which the person with the discharge rides, becomes unclean. Whoever then touches any of the things which were under him shall be unclean until evening. He who carries them shall wash his clothes and bathe in water to be unclean until evening. Verse 11, likewise, whomever the one with the discharge touches without having rinsed his hands in water shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. However, an earthenware vessel which the person with the discharge touches shall be broken, and every wooden vessel shall be rinsed with water. Now when the man with the discharge becomes cleansed from his discharge, then he shall count off for himself seven days. For his cleansing, he shall then wash his clothes and bathe. His body with running water will become clean. Then on the eighth day, he shall take for himself two turtle doves or two young pigeons and come before the Lord in the doorway of the tent of meeting and give them to the priest. And the priest shall offer them one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. So the priest shall make atonement on his behalf 
before the Lord because of his discharge. Now, if a man has a seminal emission, he shall bathe all his body in water and shall be unclean until the evening. As for a, any garment of any leather on which there is a seminal discharge, it shall be washed with the water and be unclean until evening. If a man lies with a woman so that there is a seminal emission, they shall both bathe in water and be unclean until evening. When a woman has a discharge, if her discharge in her body is blood, she shall continue in her menstrual impurity for seven days. And whoever touches her shall be unclean until evening. Everything also on which she lies during her menstrual impurity shall be unclean. And everything on which she sits shall be unclean. Anyone who touches her bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Whoever touches anything on which she sits shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Whether it be on the bed or on the thing on which she is sitting, when he touches it, he shall be unclean until evening. If a man actually lies with her so that her menstrual impurity is on him, he shall be unclean seven days, and every bed on which he lies shall be unclean. Now, if a woman has a discharge of her blood many days, not at the period of her menstrual impurity, or if she has a discharge beyond that period, all the days of her impure discharge, she shall continue as though in her menstrual impurity, she is unclean. Any bed on which she lies all the days of her discharge shall be to her like her bed at menstruation, and everything on which she sits shall be unclean like her uncleanness at that time. Likewise, whoever touches them shall be unclean and shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. When she becomes clean from her discharge, she shall count out for herself seven days, and afterwards she shall be clean. Then on the eighth day, she shall take for herself two turtle doves and two young pigeons, and bring them in to the priest, to the doorway of the tent of meeting. The priest shall offer the one for a sin offering, the other for a burnt offering. So the priest shall make atonement on her behalf before the Lord because of her impure discharge. Thus you shall keep the sons of Israel separated from their uncleanness, so they will not die in their uncleanness by their defiling my tabernacle that is among them. This is the law of the one with a discharge and for the man who has a seminal omission so that he is unclean by it. And for the woman who is ill because of menstrual impurity and for the one who has a discharge, whether a male or female, or a man who lies with an unclean woman. Chapter 16 Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they had approached the presence of the Lord and died. The Lord said to Moses, Tell your brother Aaron that he shall not enter at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat which is on the ark, or he will die, for I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. Aaron shall enter the holy place with this, with a bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering, and he shall put on the holy linen tunic, and the linen undergarments shall be next to his body. He shall be girded with a linen sash and attired with a linen turban. These are holy garments. And he shall bathe his body in water and put them on. He shall take from the congregation of the sons of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Then Aaron shall offer the bull for the sin offering, which is for himself, that he may make atonement for himself 
and for his household. He shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting. And Aaron shall cast lots for the goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. Aaron shall offer the goat on which the lot for the Lord fell and make it a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot for the scapegoat fell shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it, to send it into the wilderness as the scapegoat. Then Aaron shall offer the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his household. And he shall slaughter the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself. He shall take a fire pan full of coals of fire from upon the altar before the Lord, and two handfuls of finely ground sweet incense, and bring it inside the veil. He shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the ark of the testimony. Otherwise, he will die. Moreover, he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side. Also, in front of the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Then he shall slaughter the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people, and bring its blood inside the veil, and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. He shall make atonement for the holy place because of the impurities of the sons of Israel and because of their transgressions in regard to all their sins. And thus he shall do for the tent of meeting, which abides with them in the midst of their impurities. When he goes in to make atonement, in the holy place, no one shall be in the tent of meeting until he comes out, that he may make atonement for himself and for his household and for all the assembly of Israel. Verse 18, Then he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it. And he shall take some of the blood of the bull and of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar on all sides. With his finger he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it seven times and cleanse it. And from the impurities of the sons of Israel consecrate it. When he finishes atoning for the holy place and the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall offer the live goat. Then Aaron shall lay both of his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the iniquities of the sons of Israel and all their transgressions in regard to all their sins. And he shall lay them on the head of the goat and send it away to the wilderness by the hand of the man who stands in readiness. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities into a solitary land, and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. Then Aaron shall come into the tent of meeting and take off the linen garments, which he put on when he went into the holy place, and shall leave them there. And he shall bathe his body with water in a holy place, put on his clothes, come forth and offer his burnt offering and the burnt offering of the people and make atonement for himself and for the people. Then he shall offer up in smoke the fat of the sin offering on the altar. The one who released the goat as the scapegoat shall wash his clothes and bathe his body with water. And then afterward, he shall come into the camp. But the bull of the sin offering and the goat of the sin offering whose blood was brought 
in to make atonement in the holy place shall be taken outside the camp, and they shall burn their hides, their flesh, and their refuse in the fire. Then the one who burns them shall wash his clothes and bathe his body with water. Then afterwards he shall come into the camp. Verse 29. This shall be a permanent statute for you. In the seventh month and on the tenth day of the month, you shall humble your souls and not do any work, whether the native or the alien who sojourns among you. For it is on this day that atonement shall be made for you to cleanse you, and you will be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It is to be a Sabbath of solemn rest for you, that you may humble your souls. It is a permanent statute. So the priest who is anointed and ordained to serve as priest in his father's place shall make atonement. He shall thus put on the linen garment, the holy garments, and make atonement for the holy sanctuary. And he shall make atonement for the tent of meeting and for the altar. He shall also make atonement for the priests and for all the people of the assembly. Now you shall have this as a permanent statute to make atonement for the sons of Israel for all their sins once every year. And just as the Lord had commanded Moses, so he did. Stop there. Do chapter seventeen tomorrow. Um, I was wondering, reading this, what would happen if the person had a cold and was sneezing all over the place? If that constituted making everything he sneezed on unclean and had to wash, it is pretty interesting that there was so much detail given to people about what could be infectious that they did not understand infection then. Uh, at least the other cultures didn't. I don't know if God gave them the supernatural understanding of it. But for someone to touch something of another person that had come out of their bodies that could cause perhaps um, an infection on them, there was a clear, uh, God-given type of uh, separation and quarantine situations and cleansing. And I, so again, God's primary care was their, their spiritual condition to be clean before him, to be a representation to the world of the need to be clean, that they were to be not like the world. So there was a lot of modeling going on there, but it's also interesting how it protected them in a very physical and a very amazing, amazing way. Way back then, thousands of years ago, God was giving them the means by which they could survive severe infections that would come upon them. So it's a, again, it's, it's a sign of God's love for them that he was going to take care of them on all sides of things. We're going to move on to Mark now, Mark 8, picking up in verse really 22, but we'll start in 21. And he was saying to them, do not yet understand. And they came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to Jesus and implored him to touch him. Taking the blind man by the hand, he brought him out of the village and after spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see men for I see them like trees walking around. Then again, he laid his hands on his eyes and he looked intently and was restored and began to see everything clearly. 
And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. Verse 27. Jesus went out along with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way he questioned his disciples, saying to them, Who do people say that I am? They told him, saying, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, but others one of the prophets. And he continued by questioning them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. And he warned them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. And he was stating the matter plainly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Verse 33, but turning around and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you're not setting your mind on God's interest, but man's. And he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And for what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Boy, that's pretty strong. And Peter, you know, we would think that Peter is just acting out of love, saying, no, Lord, you can't die. We need you. You wouldn't think that Jesus or that the other disciples would think that this was somehow a bad thing, but Jesus realizes that Peter's mind is set on the temporal and the human side, the relational side. Peter is dependent upon him. He needs him, but he's not realizing that in order for Jesus to always be with him, he, that seed, needs to die so that he can then come back and produce a, a fruit a hundredfold that he could now be available for everyone, all the disciples, all the people, so that he could forever be with anyone who would come to know him as Lord and Savior. He realizes that it's Satan using Peter's emotions to get him focused on the temporal and on the human side of things and not on the spiritual side of things. And that's something he still uses all the time. He uses it in many different ways to manipulate us. And Jesus rightly called him out. And he realizes that the, the enemy was behind what Peter was feeling because the enemy can come in and try to manipulate our feelings and say, get behind me, Satan. And notice he first looks at the other disciples before he does this. He realizes they are all probably thinking this, but Peter is the one that likes to step forward and put his foot in his mouth. And so he says these, and so now they realize, wait a minute, yes, he is Lord. Whatever he does is doing the right thing. We cannot correct him. We cannot tell him he cannot do what he knows he came to do. And so he realizes that this would be a stumbling block for them and for everyone. 
if they didn't get past the emotional side of it. They could not see what would happen. They could not grasp the resurrection. They could only see the death. And of course, this is really a key in our own spiritual walk because you see this next thing about him saying everyone who wants to follow me must himself take up his own cross, die, essentially. And if you try and preserve your own life, you'll lose it. They were trying to preserve Jesus' life. And he said, you'll lose it. You won't have me as the Holy Spirit could come and live within you. And there's a, there's kind of a correlation with ourselves. If we want to have the abundant life with Jesus, it need be that we ourselves die to the human emotional side of all of our wants and how we want to live our life comfortably. We want to live our life with all of the niceties or, or we just don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want to stand up in a perverse and wicked generation and say, I believe in Jesus Christ. He is Lord and Savior. That is one of those areas where you're willing to lose respect, to lose friends, to lose many things, which can be a type of death. I mean, I know we are talking about physically too, these disciples will yield up their lives physically. Absolutely, there is the extreme side of what Jesus is saying. But there's the losing yourself and losing your life on what you're accustomed, what you've spent your life building up to have that respect and walking amongst the world and have them really like you and get everything you want. He says, you need to die to that. And once you do, then you will find real life. And you'll find the peace that surpasses understanding. It's a beautiful concept. And it's one that we're all seeking after. It's why we spend the time in the Word. So we could every day continually ask God to help us, to show us how to die. Keep the old man down and let him be the one who guides us in all things. All right, let's look real quick at um, Charles Spurgeon. But when thou dost alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father, which seeth in secret himself, shall reward thee openly. Matthew 6, 3 and 4. No promises made to those who give to the poor to be seen of men. They have the reward at once, and cannot expect to be paid twice. Let us hide away our charity. Yes, hide it even from ourselves. Give so often and so much as a matter of course that you no more take note that you have helped the poor than that you have eaten your regular meals. Do your alms without even whispering to yourself, how gracious I am. Do not thus attempt to reward yourself. Leave the matter with God, who never fails to see, to record, and to reward. Blessed is the man who is busy in secret with his kindness and finds a special joy in his unknown benevolences. This is the bread which, eaten by stealth, is sweeter than the banquets of kings. How can I indulge myself today with this delightful luxury? Let me have a real feast of tenderness and flow of soil. And hereafter, the Lord himself will personally see to the rewarding of the secret giver of alms. This will be in his own way and time, and he will choose the very best. How much this promise means, it will need eternity to reveal. There you go. Be a cheerful giver, as we see over and over in Scripture. Let's go ahead and pray. 
Father, we thank you for the blessedness of being able to be in your presence on a daily basis and be accepted before your throne. We see the lengths by which man had to go through in the Old Testament just to approach you. The extended times of bathing and preparation and clothing and the blood and the sacrifice and no man could enter into your presence without very carefully considering his own life and anything that was not right, he could easily and quickly be killed. So we are, we marvel every day that you invite us to come in and spend time with you, not as the Holy God of the Holy of Holies, but as Father and even Abba. You bring us beyond the veil into your very house and to f be a part of your family and to experience a love that is, shall we say, the greatest love that's ever, that's ever, ever been displayed to any person in the world. And so we thank you, God, for the love that you have for us and the ease by which you have made the way for us to come to know you through the cross. We never want to forget the extreme cost that took place and the way that Jesus understood there was no other way. So we, we do thank you, and we glorify you, magnify you this day for the simplicity of the relationship we have with you. We do ask God that you would help us communicate that to others and show them that it's available. Thank you um, for Ruby uh, going out again with her daughter to an evangelism downtown. Thank you for, for touching lives and helping them share the gospel, God. Such an amazing thing. We also want to thank you for, for Jim up in uh, Fredericksburg, who is hopefully getting a chance to take Dean out uh, with him now that Dean is up there. And we, we know he goes out all the time and hands out Gideon's Bibles and shares the Lord with so many people. So bless his ministry, increase it, and may, may hundreds, if not thousands, come to know you this year, God, through those continual and uh, outreaches of expressing your love. So thank you for those that are sharing your gospel, God. And we ask you to continue to use each one of us. Even if it's just one person, you'd open up the door, help us to share the overwhelming love and grace that's available if people would yet lay their lives down of who they think they are, surrender the right to try and run their own life and get to heaven on their own and simply rest upon you and ask you to forgive them, to fill them, to save them. So thank you for that. We do thank you for the healings that you are doing, God, continually. We do ask you that you would continue to touch and to heal on this day. Thank you for all that you're going to do tomorrow. We pray for the service, that you would anoint it, God, and that you'd bring in all the people, God, bring those that have never been to church tomorrow. Just place it in their heart that they know that something's happening in this world. Things are changing. And they need to come to know you before you come again. So thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. So there we are. Anyway, I do invite you to come join us live if you would like to anytime. CalvaryPV.com. You can hit watch live. Let me know if it's working. I think it is. Or YouTube live, Facebook live. And that includes service as well. We are live every Sunday, 9 o'clock Texas time. I would love to have you join us. So please, we're going through the book of Genesis. 
great study. So I'd love to see you. And even more so, if you ever get a chance to come down and visit us here in Puerto Vallarta, we'd love to have you. Let us know. So you guys have a wonderful, wonderful day. I'll put out the audio podcast for tomorrow for Sunday. Encourage you to listen to it and subscribe to the audio podcast. So the algorithm will push us up so that more unsafe people can see it and maybe themselves get into the word of God. So thank you guys. We'll see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye.